Hey y'all, this is Brittany with the Sofa King Sleuthies, and you are listening to A Paranormal Chicks Podcast with your hosts, Donna and Carrie. Don't get too scared now. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 212. And you just heard an intro from Brittany. Who's Sofa King Sleuthy. Get it? Sofa King. So fucking. I know you get it. Don't look at me. I'm okay. telling him. You're <laughs> well, the one that created that Patreon tier. Well, you were looking right at me. So I'm like, Okay. Yeah. The one time I give her eye contact, she doesn't like it. Most of the time, she's like, I need eye contact. But you never give it to me. So it's weird when you do. <sighs> Well, if you want to join Brittany in the Patreon and get all the perks that she's getting, including, you know, an intro to Sinister Sightings if you want to, and all the bonus episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, the first one. Hi, ladies. I've been a listener for some time now, and something just told me to start writing to you today. For the listeners wanting to know, I'm writing this on October 4th, 2023. And yes, you can use my name. Okay, here I go. Ever since I was a kid, I've been able to remember every detail about my dreams and even pick up where I left off to control them. Whenever I have a dream that's too scary, it's just like I can snap myself out of it and say, this isn't real, and wake myself up or change the dream altogether. One of my earliest dreams I remember is when I was about to start fourth grade. I was dreaming of my classroom and all my classmates. I even dreamed where I was sitting and who I was sitting by. I dreamt of my entire first day. When my mom woke me up that morning, I told her, but I already went through my day. She just laughed and thought I was trying to get more time to sleep in. That day when she dropped me off, the classroom was exactly as I dreamed. And I had everything right down to where I was sitting and everyone who was sitting by me. Over time, the dream predictions, as I like to call them, got less and less. And really only happened when something big or traumatic was going to happen. The last time I dreamt of something was when my first serious boyfriend and I were about to break up. I dreamt the entire day and even his breakup speech for a week straight. When the day finally happened, I knew and was able to just go through it knowing what would happen. Again, everything I dreamt of it was true down to what he said. I told my fiance about this when we first met and he finds it super weird, but cool. So if he's trying to pull a fast one before our wedding, I'll know beforehand. I feel like I've always been kind of sensitive and I've always had a really big active imagination since I grew up as an only child. I used to see this tall shadow figure with a top hat looming over my stairs watching me, but I always just tried to brush it off as nothing until my ex-boyfriend and I were hanging out and he left in a hurry. When I called him, he said he got freaked out because he thought it was a shadow figure on my stairs. When I asked if he was wearing a top hat, he freaked out and drew the figure. It was the shadow man. That night, I fell asleep on my couch, and when I woke up at 3 a.m., which was super common for me for almost three months, I went to my kitchen because your girl was starving. I started making myself a sandwich when, out of nowhere, this old woman appeared. I was literally froze and couldn't speak. She started frantically speaking in Russian, but somehow I was able to understand her. She said, you need to go to your room now. You're not safe. Run upstairs. Don't look behind you. Shut your door and lock it and say, go away. You're not welcome here. I do not want you in my house. So obviously I listened. I ran to my room and did exactly what she said. When I woke up the next morning, I thought it was a dream until I went downstairs and saw my uneaten sandwich just sitting on the counter. 
Okay, last story. Sorry I'm writing so much. Like I said, I have a really active imagination and my dreams go all over the place. One night, I suddenly woke up at 3 a.m. again and saw a woman in the middle of my bedroom doorway. I couldn't move or speak. She started walking closer to me and I started trying to move my body and scream for my mom. I'd never experienced sleep paralysis before, but I knew this wasn't a normal nightmare I was having. I blinked, and when I opened my eyes, she was on my ceiling directly above me, laughing and trying to claw my face. In my head, I was screaming for my mom to come to my room and help. Finally, after what felt like hours, I was able to open my mouth, and I was screaming and hoping my mom would rush in and help, but no one came. I passed out, and in the morning, I ran to my mom's room and was like, what the heck, lady? You didn't hear me yelling for you? Why didn't you wake up and help me? She freaked out and was confused, but said she didn't hear me screaming and said it was probably just a dream. But when I went to take a shower, there were scratches on my shoulders and it looked like the claws the demon had. Okay, that's it for me now, but I'm sure I'll remember more scary stuff that's happened to me because I genuinely think my mom's house is haunted with a capital H. My mom doesn't like to talk about these things, but I think she's also a little sensitive. Before, she said old dead relatives visit her in her dreams, sometimes to comfort her. Maybe that's where I get my dream abilities. Thank you so much for all you do. Love your podcast. Can't wait for future stories. Much love from Illinois. Bree. Well, I want to be able to control my dreams because I can't. I will wake myself up, but then go right back and it's right where I left off on the crazy dream. It's one thing to see the lady like standing in your door because like that's scary as fuck. But that bitch was on your ceiling. Right. All the fucks know. Mm-mm. Was it the same lady that came to you in the kitchen or was it completely different? I think different. I know, but like they didn't look alike or no, anything. No, I don't. That lady looked like a demon. The other one didn't look like a demon, I don't think. I wonder what she was telling you to run away from. I don't want to know. I mean, I do want to know, but I don't want to know. Oh, that would be the worst. Don't look back. Oh, my God, I need to. Like, I want to know, but I damn sure don't want to experience it. Right. Okay, the next one. Hey, y'all. Big fan and longtime listener, Swan here. My real name's Sierra, but everyone calls me by my last name, so feel free if you'd like to as well. I am one half of two holes of a soul, the other being my lifelong best friend, Whitney. We are your typical psychic witch old souls from good old Wisconsin. If you want to say it like us, you got to put the G in there, like Wisconsin, I think, maybe. Please feel free to use any names in this paranormal story as everyone who knows us knows we are the local ghost girls. If you happen to be reading this, thank you. We are honored. Happy haunting. Let me just start off by saying, one, I apologize for the length in advance, and two, I love your podcast so damn much. I've been a longtime listener and was sad when I finally caught up with all your episodes and now have to wait for them to be released. For the past year and a half, I've been racking my brain trying to figure out which paranormal experience, encounter that I wanted to write in for a Sinister Sightings episode. And it wasn't until the day after you released episode 237 that I knew exactly which experience to share with you all. Specifically, Donna's story about the old Baraboo Inn in Baraboo, Wisconsin. For a little background, my lifelong best friend Whitney and I run a witch slash spirituality page on Instagram, enlightening and aiding others on their journey. Our mothers were best friends and living together when they both got pregnant. Four months and one day after Whitney entered this world, she was waiting for my arrival at the hospital with her mom as I joined her. She's an Aries and I'm a Leo. Oh my God. Okay, sorry. Got too excited about that. We both have natural psychic abilities and are mediums in our own way. 
Unlike most locals, we spend our weekends doing paranormal investigations in historic locations and cemeteries around Wisconsin that we document on our website. And if y'all want to check that out, it's at Two Halves of a Soul on Insta. We decided to investigate five locations for the month of October, one each weekend of the month. Here is where episode 237 comes in. Our first investigation on October 2nd was the old Baraboo Inn. Although I didn't listen to the new episode until the day after it was released, it was no question what investigation we should share with you all. Now, let's dive in. For this investigation, Whitney and I were joined by my father, Troy, and Whitney's sister, Katie. We like to try and include our friends and followers whenever possible. We made the drive down to Baraboo late Sunday morning, not fully knowing what to expect as we did not schedule a tour, but optimistic nonetheless. We arrived not long before they opened and decided to take a walk down the road to check out the fall views. We did not expect to be welcomed by not only the spirits, but by BC and his sister Shelly with open arms. Moments after we walked through the door, BC greeted us and began sharing some of the history of the building itself and letting us know that the establishment was haunted. While he was sharing his knowledge, I felt something brush against my left arm and grab my arm out of instinct. I checked behind me to see if it was Katie's sweater, but she was about a foot away from me. BC noticed and mentioned that he felt, quote, lit up and he and the spirits loved our energy. As he continued to show us around the front bar, he pointed towards the back bar, telling us to explore as we pleased. We walked around marveling at all the old photographs and the cozy energy that seemed to surround us while taking many pictures from all angles as we explored. We made our way back to the front bar and ordered some drinks and a pizza because, well, food is life and this is Wisconsin. While eating, we decided to look through the photos that we had taken to see if we captured anything. Sure shit, in one of the photos I took in the mirror, I see a wispy outline of a cowboy? I yell for Whitney and run over to BC to show him. He was astonished and told me to send the photo to him immediately. We were all freaking amped up now. After we finished our drinks and the entire pizza, Whitney, Katie, and I ventured into the back bar in the women's bathroom to attempt some communication and check out the EMF levels around the bar while my dad went over to chat with BC. As Donna mentioned in the episode, the women's bathroom is one of the hotspots. While we did not receive any communication via our ovulus device or the EMF meter in there, Whitney kept seeing a woman in a black corset in her head. She was very drawn to the women's bathroom the entire time we were at the inn. We then moved into the back bar with our devices. We then got a few words rapid fire style on the device. Seven, pierce, fast, silent. We had not received many words on this device, so it took us by surprise and seemed to form a broken sentence. Suddenly, all three of us had the same thought. Someone was describing their death and it ended in gunfire. Shortly after, my dad came walking over and asked, how much do you love me? You know, typical dad move. He then proceeded to tell us their investigation coordinator was on her way and would be there shortly. She happened to be BC's sister, Shelly. Once Shelly arrived, we began our ghost talk and she showed us some of the evidence they had captured over the years. She asked us what kind of equipment we use and when we mentioned we had an SB7 spirit box, the thing that goes psh, 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 through the radio stations letting spirits communicate with you if you aren't sure what the heck that is. She had us go grab the rest of our equipment and we took it out to show her. 
Next, Shelly asked if we wanted to go upstairs and take a look at the old brothel, which of course we said yes. As we were preparing to move upstairs, we got two more rapid fire word, release, control. We weren't sure what this was in reference to, so we turned to follow Shelly and I asked, out this way? Immediately, the ovulus said yes. At the same time, Shelly answered yes. We all got excited as this was not a very common word on the device. Strange, I know. Then it said head on. So we took that as a sign to head on up. We walked outside and up the stairs into the old brothel area, and as we approached the door, Shelly knocked out of respect for the spirits before entering. They're used to visitors on Friday and Saturday, not Sundays, especially during the day. As she opened the door, the energy seemed to hit you like a gust of wind. It wasn't particularly negative or anything like that, but it was just a lot of energy all at once. We convened on the couches in the living room, and Katie sat in the chair in the corner. She felt a very prominent, feminine, maternal energy surrounding her. We then had her swap with my dad, Troy, to see if we could get a response from the male spirits upstairs. The energy still felt feminine, but we decided to break out the spirit box to attempt communication verbally with the male spirit. We began asking if there was a male presence and if we could communicate with him. We continued to get a faint woman's voice, but could only make out a word here or there. I realized that I didn't turn on the temperature gauge on the spirit box and quickly turned that on before beginning communication again. We hear a female voice come through again, and after saying we still feel it's a woman, the temperature gauge goes off and begins flickering blue, indicating a cold temperature. I'm sorry this is so long, but it needs to be, so bear with me. We exclaim and thank her for confirming that she's female, and she firmly places her hand over the sensor, which makes the light stop flickering. I say, oh, she put her hand on it, and immediately a woman's voice says yes through the spirit box. We then decide to move into the bedroom and turn my dad into ghost bait for one of the sex workers. He laid down on the bed, 360 cam in hand, asking if Mary was with us. We could still only hear a woman's voice coming through, but couldn't quite make out the words. My dad threw down a couple of 20s on the bed as an offering to her, and Shelly called out, Come on, ladies! My dad followed with, I heard Mary's the best, and immediately the temp gauge was going off and flickering blue again. We all thanked Mary for communicating with us and continued to cheer her on. While all of this was going on, Katie was in the next bedroom, which was a kid's playroom during the days of the brothel. She had a strong feeling that there were two small children in there, believing one was a little boy. I should point out, I was the only one in our group who had heard of a little boy spirit being rumored to reside there from listening to the horrific Heartland episode myself, and was stunned when Katie was able to pick up on that. We asked if one of the kids could confirm they were children, and the temp gauge went off once again, flickering blue. We thanked the spirits for communicating with us and decided to wrap up our investigation. Until next time, (laughs) hee hee. We thanked BC and Shelly for the millionth time for their hospitality and generosity during our visit and headed on home. After work the next day, Whitney and I met up at her place to go over evidence and start organizing it all. It wasn't until then, while going through my live videos, we realized we captured yet another apparition in a mirror. We can't tell for sure if it was a man or a woman as it's only able to partially manifest, but it's clearly a white figure walking out of the hall leading from the women's bathroom. 
We are happy to say we cannot wait to go back to the old Baraboo Inn and are hoping to book an overnight stay in the brothel in November for an investigation. Again, I apologize for the length of this, but if you happen to be reading this on the show or at all, we want to thank you for your time and say we hope you're doing well, fur babies and husband included. I hope to write in and share more of our experiences in the future or maybe even about my 122-year-old house ghost, Deborah. She's the best. Creep it real and don't get scared. Sierra, Whitney, and Debbie. Meanwhile, all I can picture is your dad laying on that bed like paint me like one of your French girls. (laughs) He was throwing 20s. Right. I'm like, Dad, I'll take those. Uh Uh-huh. Well, that just sounds weird, but you know. Yeah, but not in that way. But like, your your girl (laughs) could use some food. Also, what kind of pizza did y'all get? Like, what were the toppings? The most important questions. It really is, okay? I've been on a pizza kick lately. Not me. We've been eating a lot of pizza and I'm over it. Oh my God. I've been eating a lot of pizza and I can't get enough. Also, we would love to hear more about your investigations. And your house ghosts. But I thought you weren't supposed to name them. I don't think you are, but I would name one too. That doesn't surprise me. You are you know what? You're good at naming things except for podcasts. <laughs> but, I'm just kidding. But you really are good at naming things. Like when I got Bo, I was like, what the hell do I name this dog? Because I hated his name. His name was Bullet when I got him, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I know you know, but they may not know. And I was like, I don't want a dog named Bullet. So I was like, I got to rename him. But I just could not think of anything. I mean, I ended up obviously settling on Bo, but um, thankfully Jax came named and I liked his name. So I wonder how many animals you've named in your lifetime. Oh, Lord. Freaking Dr. Doolittle over here. (laughs) Okay, the next one. Hey, y'all. This is Chris V from Houston. I have a story for you. This is actually my sister's story. I was there, but didn't know it was a scary situation until she told me her version about 12 years later. I'll try to describe our home the best I can. We live in a trailer with a master bedroom add-on built onto the back. I share a room with my middle sister at the end of the hall, and it was catty corner to my parents' master bedroom. The back door was out of my parents' room, and if you were standing at my bedroom and all the doors were open, you could see from my bedroom door through my parents' room door out the back door. I'll start with my memory first. This was about 1985, so I was five or six. My oldest sister was eight years older than me and would babysit me and my middle sister when my parents were out. On this particular night, my middle sister was at my cousin's house, so it was just the two of us. My oldest sister was a great sitter and would make all fun foods, play games with us, and we'd stay up and watch the best movies. I remember having a great night, and by the end of the night, we were in my room, the back room, watching Twilight Zone or Amazing Stories or some shit like that. I quickly dozed off, probably full of nachos and banana split. I then woke up for only a few seconds, bouncing up and down, and realized I was being carried from our trailer towards the street. I was facing our home and saw a man standing to the side of our trailer and thought it was my dad. Maybe mom. She's a... (laughs) I don't know why this made me giggle. She's a big old broad. I didn't think anything of it and went back to sleep. I woke up the next morning to the smell of pancakes. I was on the neighbor's couch, my sister's best friend's house who lived across the street. I rolled over and I saw my mom was talking to the best friend's mom in the kitchen. What's going on, I wonder? They were talking low and their demeanor was off. I asked to go to the bathroom and the neighbor told me where it was and my mom added, your sister is with her friend in her room. Don't go in and don't bother her. I said okay, went to pee, not thinking much of it. As I passed the best friend's room, the door was cracked open and I saw them on the bed and my sister was crying softly. 
I was thinking, ooh, she got in trouble. So I went to the bathroom and then came back to eat the breakfast I had smelled. We went back home after I finished, but my sister stayed. I later asked my dad when she was coming home, and he said she's going to stay with them for a few days. I didn't think much of it and quickly forgot the whole event until my sister brought it up 12 or so years later. She asked me, do you remember that time that thing blew the door open? I was like, what? I had no idea what she was talking about. So she told me her version of the night I just told you. It was the same as my story until the point where I fell asleep. She was watching TV and rubbing my back as I drifted off. It helps me fall asleep. When our parents' bedroom door creaked open, she heard and saw it out of the side of her eye and looked over at it. It was a trailer and an add-on, so shit moved if the trailer shifted. We were used to this. She turned back to the TV, not thinking anything of it. A few minutes later, the back door that led out of my parents' room opened. This creeped her out again, but it happened sometimes when it wasn't shut right or didn't quite latch. So she got up and closed it, listening for the click to ensure it was closed. She went back to my room and TV. Moments later, the back door opened again. Now she was on edge. She could have sworn she locked the deadbolt, making sure the door was latched. So cautiously, she went to the door again and closed it. Ensured it clicked, locked the knob, and locked the deadbolt. Then satisfied it was for sure locked, she went back to the room and waited, half watching TV, half watching the back door. Nothing happened after 10 minutes, so she told herself it was all kosher and finally relaxed. That's when the back door blew open, like a hurricane wind had forced it open. A dark figure stood just outside the back door. She scooped me up and ran across the street to her best friend's house. They let her in and contacted my parents, who rushed home. I was blown away by her version of events and how unaware I was. But remembering back, it all made sense. She stayed at her friend's house for about three days, and during that time, my parents were throwing some of our stuff away, burning some of it. Apparently, my dad had been bringing things home he had found in empty houses that he was getting ready for remodel and resale. They burned one of those old wood frame TVs, a mirror, which my mom said she couldn't break with a hammer to fit in the trash can, so she tossed in the fire and claimed it whined and screeched. So was it a ghost or a shadow person? Maybe a demon attached to the screeching mirror? Maybe one of those other items? Or was it a creeper? What do y'all think? Well, that's my story. Sorry if it's too long or hard to read. Thank you, ladies, and have a great day. Creep it real and don't get scared. It's weird that you saw it too. So like, I think it was a person. Ooh, it could have been. It was a big old broad, maybe. (laughs) Oh my God, that made me laugh so hard. I mean, me and your mom both, Chris. Same. I don't think of you as a big old broad. I'm a big old broad. I'm you're a just a big potty. You're just a big girl. Like, like I'm a big old broad. I'm like, squatty. No, like I'm. I look like the woman who hits her husband on the head in, in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> what a random. But you know what I mean? Yes. Like that. Like that. Like animated big woman. Like that's that's what I feel like I look like. You don't. You're just a big girl. I'm like a big broad. <laughs> I'm Danny DeVito. (laughs) I love him. (laughs) So about the mirror, though, like, it's weird that she couldn't break it, but maybe she meant that she didn't want to break it for the bad luck. That's what I assumed. She didn't want to break it because who needs seven years of bad luck? Right. But the hissing and the whining, I think that's what glass kind of sounds like when it's burning. Yeah, I thought so, too. I think. I don't know. My dad used to burn a lot of shit, so... 
I feel like I've heard that and I was like, what? But, you know, he's like, calm the fuck down. Did I ever tell you about the time that my parents had a tempered glass? Well, I have one too. A tempered glass cutting board. And I was just sitting there watching TV and it literally exploded in the kitchen. Yes. That scared the fuck out of me. Oh my God, I bet. And then like literally while I'm cleaning it up, it's still like popping and hissing at me. Ugh. Because there's like little pieces still breaking. So it could have been that too. I mean, I know a mirror is not tempered glass, but you get the point. Yeah, I mean, it's all glass. I think it was a person. That would explain it. But was the lock broken? Yeah, I don't know. But it could be something tied to that, like that old stuff. I don't know. But I am glad that you and your sister were okay. And I want her to be my babysitter. Nachos, banana split? Man, I've been wanting a banana split so bad lately. Okay, the next one. Back in 2004, I was pregnant with my second son. I was 35 weeks pregnant and had my checkup with my doctor. The night before my appointment, I had dreamt that my son was stillborn. I went to my doctor's appointment and they were not able to find his heartbeat. I thought it was strange that I had dreamt that. The day after his funeral, we were at home and one of my older son's toys started playing by itself. My husband went to see what was going on and our son was not in that room. My husband tried to turn the toy off, but it wouldn't turn off. He went to take the batteries out, and there were no batteries in it. We both looked at each other and knew that it was our baby angel coming to tell us that he was okay. So sorry for your loss. And that definitely could have been him coming back just to say, hello, and I'm okay. I don't know if the dream would have helped with the shock or just add to it. But yes, we are so sorry for y'all's loss. I think um, this week is Infertility Awareness Week, too. Really? Uh Uh-huh. I think I saw that on Facebook, which is interesting that it's read this week. Yeah. Okay, the next one. Hey, gals. I've been listening for maybe six months and blew through all of the main episodes and am working my way through Sinister Sightings now. I'm obsessed. By the way, I know everyone says they love Sinister Sightings most, but I'm the oddball, I guess. I love y'all's episodes most because I get more of your interactions while you discuss your stories. I have a couple of stories to share on the paranormal end. To make a long story short, I worked for a family taking care of their infant son. At six months of age, his mom started getting sick. She was diagnosed with an aggressive cancer and very soon after passed away. After the funeral, some time had passed and the father asked me to be an au pair for him as he needed a lot more help than before. I moved in to help for a while and while I was there putting their son down for a nap one day, I was talking to him about how I'd keep him safe and healthy. Then I heard something hit the ground behind me. It was a frame laying face down on the ground at least two to three feet out from the bookshelf it had been sitting on. I picked it up and realized it was the handprint of his mom that they had taken from her after she passed, so her son would have it as a memory of her. There's no way that frame landed where it did without some push behind it. I only hoped that she was glad I was there helping take care of her son and not that she was upset. I clean houses for a living as well as childcare. I was working with my two best friends one day as I walked through a room with one friend in front of me and the other behind me. I felt my ponytail get tugged from the tip of it with enough force to make my head tip back a little. I whipped around assuming my girlfriend had done it, but she was at least 10 feet behind me just coming into the room. Another time I was cleaning another client's home when I was in the master bedroom walking over to the dresser, I very clearly heard Erica whispered in my ear. I thought maybe the client had come in and said my name not to scare me, but when I turned around, no one was there. Hope y'all like my stories. I wouldn't be upset if y'all started putting out two episodes of your stories a week. Like Carrie, I have fear of running out. Erica C. 
I think the mom, if that was her ghost, she was saying thank you. Yeah, I think so too. But also, I've never heard of someone taking a handprint from a parent. Me neither. Because, like, for, like, dogs, like, we did the nose print and a paw print for Bo. And I know, I mean, I know that's, like, a thing. But that's really sweet. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Also, Carrie would have lost her shit had someone pulled her hair. Yeah, that truly sends me into fight or flight, and I fight. Yes. Sometimes I cry, but I still fight. You fight through the tears, for sure. And Carrie thinks she hears her name all the time. No, I do at work all the time. I turn around and I'm like, oh, nobody said my name. Again, Carrie thinks she hears her name all the time. Okay, but am I really hearing it like Erica? Sometimes I will say I'm with her and I'm like, no, that did kind of sound like Carrie. I'm going to start making a list of the things that I hear said. Please do. It will be like your watermelon tastes staticky. And everyone who knows will agree. (laughs) If you know, you know. Okay, the next one. Hey, ladies, hope you're both keeping well. I just want to say I love, love, love this podcast. It's my favorite by far. So let's begin. We moved into our new home nearly eight years ago. I was a little sad to be leaving our first home with all the memories of bringing my three babies home for the first time to our first step through the door as husband and wife. But the moment I stepped into our new home, I felt right at home and I couldn't wait to make more memories. The first few weeks, we were busy getting things sorted and settling in to notice anything. Then gradually, it started with silly little things like footsteps upstairs when we were all downstairs, doors opening when they were shut tight, putting things in one place but finding them in another. Well, fast forward six years. My husband is lying in bed, not well, and our bedroom door opened and he thought it was me thinking i started giving him a foot rub he looked up and no fucker is there and he screamed like a baby whatever it is it pulls his hair and my son-in-law's too just them too a few of us have seen a black shadow walking up the stairs it freaked me the fuck out i had to move my bed so i could no longer see the stairs i don't feel it's here to hurt us but it does scare the hell out of us my bedroom light turns on in the middle of the night sometimes One night, my shower turned on, and it's hard to turn the knob, so there's no way it was just a coincidence. Spooky as fuck. Thank you, girls, for doing what you're doing, and never stop creeping it real. Love you, girls. Steph from Northern Ireland. Uh, What's with all these ghosts uh, pulling people's fucking hair? Oh, right? I mean, I do like that. In the bedroom, by seen hands, not unseen hands. Yeah, and um, again, sends me into fight or flight. Do not pull my hair can't stand that i want a foot rub so bad ghost or not please massage my tootsies i mean you can play with my hair favorite thing do not pull it it will make me very angry like irrationally angry in that moment of like like you may as well have just hit my achilles with a with a buggy oh fuck right okay the next one hello ladies i was recommending your podcast from a client and thoroughly enjoy it on my long drives to and from work what kind of client okay story time Picture it. I did that extra country because they said that's what we sound like to Midwesterners. Since Dahmer's trending right now, and I grew up in the same city, Milwaukee, not far from where he lived, I thought I'd share this sinister story, even though it's not about him because I wasn't his type, and I think he had been killed in prison by this point. When I was seven or eight years old, so 94, 95, I was out on my porch waiting for the school bus at seven-ish in the morning. I remember this day like it was yesterday. It was the beginning of the school year and the weather was warm. The sun was beaming through the trees that lined the street. I waited like I had done before and when the bus came, I'd run across the street and get on. 
Some days, either of my parents would wait outside with me, or they'd stay in and peep out the window every so often to make sure I got on the bus okay. This was the day I waited on the step by myself. I'm just minding my own little business when a white man with a short blonde hair, probably in his 30s, with old wire glasses, pulls up in a pale yellow buggy and rolls down his passenger window and asks where Summerfest was. I'm an Asian female, BTW. I didn't hear him, so I'm like, um, what? And he leans over into the passenger side and repeats himself. If you don't know, Summerfest is one of the largest music festivals that takes place every year in July-August. There were no music festivals going on at that time because summer was damn near over with it being now midsummer. Anyway, after he repeats himself, I shrug and ran into the house. I told my father and he rushed out to see for himself. The man pulls off and circled the block two to three times before never being seen again. I didn't realize it right away, but when I did, I'm like, shit, he was about to kidnap me. I think back, what would have happened if I stepped down from the stairs and opened the gate? As an adult, reflecting on growing up in a poor neighborhood, I'm sure that's why he targeted such an area. Somewhere where no one may notice, somewhere where law enforcement may not care as much. I always wondered to this day if he ever actually hurt anybody else. I pray to God he didn't. And I also pray to God that it wasn't me that day. Remember, tell your babies not to talk to strangers. Creep it real and trill, XOXO, KK. Oh my God, you're right. Like, those are exactly why he targeted that area. Oh, for sure. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you didn't go off the step either. And then they intentionally say it quietly so that you come closer Uh so that they can get you in. We know your tricks, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. But yes, tell your kids, don't talk to strangers. An adult's never going to need your help. And follow your gut. Cue the rainbow, the more you know. <laughs> I just pictured me with like shit in my hands and stuff. And it falling and like a kid be in there and be like, hey, can you help me with this? And they're be like, nope, you shouldn't need my help. I mean, it's true though. It is true, but I, I wouldn't need their help. <laughs> I promise, kid, I'm not trying to kidnap you. I don't want a kid, okay? Yeah, you're the exception, not the rule. (laughs) Like, legit, we were talking at dinner because a couple of Colby's nieces have had babies lately. And I was saying, like, how much I love babies. I just don't want one. And Donna was like, nope, not me. Don't love them. Mm -mm. Like, I really do. Like, I really do love babies, but just don't want one. Give me all the puppies, all the kittens. Love little baby animals. Not babies. Okay, last one. Hello, ladies. I've found you late in the game and am still in 2019. Are you all still interested in ambient stories? Well, yes, we are. As a lifelong insomniac, I think I've used every sleep aid there is. I used Ambien for a few months until my live-in boyfriend at the time got so sick and tired, literally tired, of me sleepwalking up to multiple times a night. I'd change my clothes or remove them, fold laundry, move clothes, rearrange closets, and dresser drawers. Ambien seemed to give me a fixation with clothes and midnight walks in the woods. I would tie the doors to the curtain rods or other fixed objects to keep myself from leaving the house. I would usually wake up while trying to untie the multiple knots. I guess knots were too complicated for my sleepwalker brain. One knot I could untie and walk out into the night. We lived in a trailer in the middle of the woods. I'd wake up barefoot, one time buck naked, in the middle of the night, in the pitch black. Sometimes in winter, in the snow, or pouring rain. My parents lived near us through the woods. Once I woke up naked, halfway across my parents' yard, about 30 feet from my neighbor's house, 
in the rain. I'd walk through the woods naked and barefoot, feet and body torn and scraped, a painful goose egg on my forehead with no memory of how I'd gotten there. In the dark and rain, I crept back to my place, feeling blindly along the trail through the woods. My boyfriend would often wake up and ask loudly, where are you going? And I'd wake up. Towards the end of our relationship, I once woke up halfway out the open door, untied ropes dangling, with a pain in my head and one of his shoes bouncing out in the driveway. After the third sleepwalking episode of the night, he'd thrown his shoe at my head, rolled over without a word, and went back to sleep. Fun times. Lolly. I mean, if you're going to be doing all that laundry... Come to Carrie's. Got a pile. (laughs) Meanwhile, they're like, oh, fucking A. Because every time they tell that story, somebody probably makes that joke. Like, like, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Oh, you're so clever. (laughs) But like, like, really, I got a pile. They threw a shoe at you, though? Right. mm. I feel like there's other ways to wake you up. However... Yeah, but also, I'd be real pissed at you, too. Yes. I'm going to be honest. I was going to say, you would be so mad. Yeah, because you know how I feel about my sleep. Mm Mm-hmm. And I realize you're not getting any either, but I do love my sleep. Also, that's really smart to tie multiple knots, because you're right. Like, one knot, you can get out. But if there's two, three, four, mm mm-mm. Yeah, your sleepwalking ass is going to move on. Yeah. However, you did get a lot of goose eggs on your head and stuff. I just picture Mr. Magoo walking through the forest. I feel like that's exactly what happened. (laughs) But yes, we love ambient stories. So y'all keep sending in the stories. Yeah, I love ending an episode on an ambient story. Well, thank y'all for sending in all these stories. Yes, I am still worried we're going to run out of them. As the writer Renner said... Well, for real, thank y'all so much for sending them in. If you want your story read on an episode, send it in to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.